Hey everyone, you're listening to the Kurt Landry Podcast, where we're going to help you discover your kingdom destiny. My name is Daryl, and sitting right beside me, it's his show, Rabbi Kurt Landry himself. And in this episode, Rabbi, we're going to be breaking down spiritual warfare. But first, before we jump right in, how is things going for you? Well, Daryl, I'm listen, I'm honored to be on the program here today to be able to share with people what really... I think that if I could really deposit one aspect of spiritual life to people, it would be the spiritual warfare component. Because to the degree that you understand how that works and be able to do it successfully determines so much about your health, your wealth, your relationships, and most of all, your ability to obey God. So, Rabbi, this is your first episode of your new podcast. What's really the direction that you want the audience to kind of feel, you know, because a lot of the stuff is is really kind of jumping in uh, to your extreme history of everything that you've kind of done. But, um, you know, where exactly do you really want to take it? Uh, really, what I want to do is really is about legacy. And, um, you know, everybody has something that is their favorite thing to do in life. And I would say mine would be the impartation to unlock people's kingdom destiny. If I can share something, and, and I've, listen, I've, Christy and I've heard this before, where we'll meet somebody, we haven't seen them in like two or three years. It happened on this trip, last trip to Israel. And they'll say something like, well, you know what? You don't remember this. You maybe don't even remember meeting me, but you said this and it changed my life. And so I really kind of hope that this podcast would be relational in the way that um, we could share things that would trigger spiritual change in people's lives, new ideas and concepts to give them kind of the faith to be able to try new things, to be able to grow. All right, so let's start with this. What is spiritual warfare? Um, I think the best explanation is Ephesians chapter 6, where it says in 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. So, you know, as easy and clear as that is said, uh, Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus, I think people struggle with the fact, and you'll hear people say, well, you think there's a demon behind every bush. But really, I'm gonna I wanna try to back into this a little differently. The spirit of how something operates, let's let's take the evil side out. Just the collective spirit um, is uh, is will determine the outcome. I'll give you an example. I was watching the NFL the week before last, um, I was watching the Dallas Cowboys. A fantastic game. Uh, they were playing in Dallas, and uh, they won. I think it was their 12th game that they had won. And then, so I'm walking, I'm, you know, and I don't watch a lot of football, but I've, you know, I've been a little bit under the weather, so I'm watching some television. And so now I'm going to watch them play Buffalo. And I'm going, man, this is going to be a great game. Let's <laughs> let's watch this happen. Now, I'm a behavioralist, Okay. Uh, my mother was an Olympic athlete. I'm 
understand the whole mental concept of sports. And, and so I'm, I'm looking at sports from a different level. I can tell you the spiritual side. The spiritual side of the Dallas Cowboys who showed up in Buffalo was not who played in Dallas. They, they were totally defeated. They, they didn't have energy. They didn't have synergy. Um, and, and Buffalo just ran over them. And, and the reason is, is because they were mentally defeated before the game even started. Now, I don't know what happened, but I could just tell by the way that they were running off and on the field, the expression of the sideline and the coach, that it wasn't the same team. So that was a spirit. So what happened is there, it's a, it's a, they lost the game. It's, they are still physically capable of playing the game as they were the week before, but they were mentally and spiritually, they were not readied for the, for Buffalo. And, you know, Buffalo is very physical, so they can apply a lot of physical pressure and that, you know, people getting hurt, people getting shamed and run over. And, and then that defeatist attitude uh, came upon them and they lost the game. Now, people would say, well, what do you mean spiritual warfare? Spiritual warfare has a lot to do with attitude. Because if your attitude is not positive, then what happens is you attract in the spirit realm, you attract evil spirits like despair, hopelessness, doubt, unbelief. All right. So let's walk it back a little bit. So let's walk it back to when war in Israel was announced, right? You popped on about 4 a.m. that morning, jumped in, really announced it to uh, the Curt Landry Ministries uh, Facebook and YouTube channel. And let's sit from this perspective that what the perception of what was happening in Israel, right? And then let's now push about a month, month and a half forward. Uh, you went to Israel for around a week. And what was the reality in the spiritual warfare that, hey, when you first announced it, perception, right? Mm -hmm. As time went on, Colonel Andrew Ministries did a ton of stuff with Stand With Israel to, uh, to do numerous things for the IDF and the people of Israel. But what was that perception versus reality on the spiritual warfare right now? Okay, so it's interesting you ask because you you know that I went on the air, I think it was about 3.30 on October the 7th. So what happened, first of all, Sam gave me, I get a call from, from Israel and, and the call is pretty panicky and they said, listen, uh, we need you to pray and you need to know we're under attack. So... Um, for our guests, you know, 34 years experience. This last trip was our 49th trip to Israel. Uh, have worked with the IDF over 25 years. So uh, we're seasoned. And actually what happened there, I don't know if you know this or not, but at 3.30 when it went up, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu did not declare war. I was actually the one, and I'm not taking credit, but the Lord told me as I'm going on the air he said, you need to declare war. This is a war. And, and that's part of the training of spiritual warfare is that you have to know that you're not being terrorized. You're, you're not being um, assaulted. You're actually in a war. And, and so what's happening in Israel 
in the south. Uh, so you're looking at Storot, Ofakim, uh, Kibbutz Kavar, Kibbutz, the different places in the south. They have been accustomed to and comfortable with rockets coming in and the Iron Dome knocking the rockets down. But this is the first time over 3,000 militants actually came in with motorcycles and trucks and cars and literally kites flying over the border and actually doing what I would call more, not just an assault, but like a home invasion. They knew the kibbutzes that, that they were attacking. They Many of them work in the factories that are in the kibbutzes. Many of them have had dinner in the homes of the people in these kibbutz, so they knew where the layout of the homes were, the safe houses, the safe rooms in the house. They knew where everything was. And so when, when uh, I was called and I, I put on went online and I saw them at this music festival, literally chasing down people, shooting them, uh, grabbing girls, putting them on motorcycles and taking them back into Gaza. This is the first time in Israel's history where there's actually kidnapping, uh, murder, rape, pillaging, killing children. Um, uh, just the brutality was was monstrous, and so we knew that this was a war because the the Hamas knows that there there will be mass retaliation from from what they did, and of course there has been, and we're not near done yet. Okay, so the perception on that, right? Moving forward, boots on the ground. What was the emotion? And, you know, can you describe senses, you know, like kind of what you felt with the wind and, you know, the taste of the air and, and, and just like, what's the reality of what you saw? So, um, first of all, at this point, Christy and I have lost 10 commanders, okay, that these are men that we've worked with for, let's say, five, 10 years. So we have relationship with them. So first of all, you have to deal with the uh, in war now, and this is what the soldiers do. But Christy and I are like kind of a part of it. We have to process mentally the same way. There's no time to mourn. There's no time to grieve. You're in war. You've got to make decisions. You have to have a reaction, uh, and so. So the, the first key, first of all, we went to the base. We went to the, the Gaza base, the one that was overrun, and uh, we interviewed the soldiers there. We actually interviewed the young girl that, that was responsible for the intel failure that, that, uh, and how that happened. They explained all that. We can go into that later. But what you're asking is the feeling. Um, First of all, you're going through a, a neighborhood. See, this a kibbutz is these are houses. This is communal living. But it's basically like you, if you're in America or someplace, it's like going into a neighborhood <clears throat> and you're seeing houses, some houses not touched, <clears throat> excuse me, and then others completely burnt out. <clears throat> and you're seeing bullet-ridden houses. You're seeing, and when I say bullet-ridden, I'm talking about a thousand 30 caliber bullet holes and RPGs where they go in and there's about a two inch hole 
And what it does is it goes into the house. And when it gets into the house, you'll see where it explodes on the inside wall of the house and then catches everything on fire. Um, uh, so, and I didn't let Christy go in the houses, but I went in the houses. So, so what you're seeing, first of all, there's places that are still smoking. Um, the, the smell of death, the, it's, uh, it's everywhere. So your sensory base is getting just overrun. And I mean, I literally went into a house where there was an oven that they put a child in the oven and turned the oven on and killed the baby. Uh, there's, um, you know, literally Christy and I went through deliverance when we came home with some friends for, for trauma. And I actually, I got sick when I came home and the diagnosis of the sickness was that we saw, and it wasn't just in the South, we, we went everywhere, but we, we saw so much death and we heard so many stories of death. And we went to go see the soldiers in the, in the Shiva hospital there in Tel Aviv. So you're, you know, you're looking at people, uh, I'm interviewing a young man, his right eye is shut out, and then the back, the left side of his brain is gone. So he's a bandage, there's a big cave in, he's gonna have to have a plate in his head. And yet he can still talk. Um, you're seeing people with bullet ridden, uh, their legs are just where machine guns just, you know, there's 10 or 15 penetrations. Um, and, you, when you see all that, <clears throat> they say the reason when I came home I got so sick was they said that when you experience that much trauma, then what happens is your immune system actually shuts down from the trauma. And they believe that's what happened to me. So I just got, you know, like a, a, a severe flu and, and was in bed for several days and sick. So this is the first time I've even come out since the meeting. It's been, uh, it was about a, two week time being down. But one of the questions that, um, that I was asked, it's interesting because my friend, John Smoltz, who, you know, uh, John called me and he asked, he says, I need to ask you a question, rabbi. He says, what's that? He said, how do you deal with the anger? Mm. And I never thought about it. And I said to him, well, First of all, my assignment, my spiritual warfare assignment uh, on the Gaza border at these bases and the kibbutzes. And it was the only day, there was an extended day of a ceasefire, so, that we, so we were able to go. And, and so we're there, we're with heavily armed troops. I mean, if you can imagine, we're walking around with our camera guy, and <laughs> we've got soldiers all around us heavily armed, literally watching the perimeter. Um, and, and, and I literally, I just, I felt like I didn't put on our bulletproof vest or a helmet or anything. I wasn't trying to add drama to this. I wanted this to be real. And, and I was talking to a gentleman that had lost his son and I didn't want to traumatize it more by him, me being there with a vest on and, and all the stuff. And, but what, what John asked me is, how do you deal with the anger? I said, you really have to get to a spiritual warfare place. And I said, what I did was I mentally 
took myself in my head to Jesus on the cross. And I had to mentally think, look what they did to him. He, he's sinless. He did, he did nothing. It's like these people. Now, listen, the people in the kibbutz aren't sinless, but they weren't attacking anyone. They were having a peace festival. It was the last day of Sukkot. Um, literally, one of the houses I went to had a kite, that a child's kite, and it was burned and was on fire. That child, I, I know his uh, uncle, Doran, and his uncle was telling me that they were flying kites with the Palestinian kids that day. Literally, they were flying kites as a together as a sign of peace the day the attack came. Such a betrayal in relationship. And um, so what I had to do is I had to go into the mind of the Lord, put myself, so to say, if I was like Jesus, if I was on the cross, they had just plucked out my beard. They put 39 stripes on my back. Uh, they're getting ready to drive. They drove nails through my hands. They pierced my side. They spit. They mocked me. They put a sign above my head saying, here's the king of the Jews. I, I have the ability to, to be angry. I have ability to call down all heaven's army, that Jesus did. And yet he chose to say these words. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. So I had to go back. I hope I'm not going too deep here. But what happened is my assignment on the Gaza border was to spiritually cleanse and reconcile so that the victory for the soldiers can come. And, and, and the commanders and the soldiers all know that. Everywhere we went, to the north, carry out Shimona, the West Bank, everywhere we went. I, some of the places I can't tell you where we went. But every place that we went, they wanted Christy and I there, and they all said, would you please pray? So here's the key about prayer. And I told this to John Smoltz. I said, John, I can't pray if I'm mad, if I'm angry, if I'm wanting to kill him. Did I get angry? Did I want to do it? Yes. Your first man-human instinct is to go to one of the soldiers and say, give me your gun. I'm going to go find him and shoot him. I mean, you're just... It's uh, the innocence to the children. It's like, whoa. But you, but what's your assignment? Your assignment is to repent, cleanse the land, so that when the soldiers come in, who are depending on us, can get a spiritual victory. It's called intercessory prayer warfare. So I told John that, and, and his response to me says, that's interesting because... He played in the first game in New York after 9-11. And for the people that don't know, John, he's a pitcher, uh, Hall of Fame pitcher for the Braves. <clears throat> and he said, I can totally relate to you, Rabbi, because all of my team went to ground zero. They took them to ground zero. And then they played the game. And the reason they chose to play the game was to try to bring some community healthy normalcy after 9-11 to the New Yorkers. And um, so, but John said, he said, he said, I'm the only player, he said, I couldn't go. Because he said, I knew if I went, I would get so angry, I wouldn't be able to focus on my game.
and I couldn't play the game. And I said, well, that's what happened to me. I had to choose not to battle against flesh and blood, but the powers and principalities in the heavenly host dark places. And Daryl, I'll tell you, I've, I've been... Um, I've been all over the world. I've seen a lot of uh, bad stuff. But the experience Christy and I had of the demonic behavior of demons um, is at a whole nother level because of what you saw and smelled and was testified of. Um, so when Jesus says these words like, that Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy, and I've come to give life. That takes that takes on a whole nother meaning for me. It's different now. Yeah. And I'm not a naive person. I mean, I was raised in Los Angeles during the Watts riots in the 60s. Uh, I came out of a neighborhood where I've seen people shot and killed, you know, before I was 18. So, I mean, it's not like I wasn't raised like my my wife in McAllister where she didn't get to see hardly any violence. I was raised around violent activity, but I never not like this. This isn't even war. This, this is uh, brutality. Uh, um, uh, I was interviewing Doran Omog, the president of the Jewish agency, my friend, who lost his, some of his family down in Kibbutz Kavar. And he said, he said, they're not animals, Kurt. He said, animals only kill for food or they're mating or competing, but they don't just randomly kill. And he said, he said, these are monsters. And um, that's what I, that's what basically we observed as a monstrous act. But we have to understand that we have the power that we are truly more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. You know, last year I had a prophetic word in 2023 early that, and I think I did 10 weeks of teaching on spiritual warfare. And I really think that the preparation time of spiritual warfare, emotional healing, the things that I was teaching, really helped us for the preparation of being able to operate successfully on this trip. Because not only did we have to go and see all this, but we had to get in and out of it safely without getting killed. And... Um, so we went to the south, they extended the ceasefire. We prayed before we went in, our team prayed. Um, the next day, ceasefire stopped. The very place we were at received three rockets. So, and then we went to the north up to carry out Shimona. We were there and 45 minutes after we left, three rockets came in. So there's, there's real practical application to spiritual warfare to know how to shut things down so that you spiritually can get in and out of dangerous situations safely. And we'll be right back. It's a new year and a new you. Have you ever wondered how to stay consistent with growing spiritually, but also winning and achieving your goals you have for yourself this year? Get your free download of My Goals to grow by visiting kurtlandry.com forward slash grow 2024. That's kurtlandry.com forward slash grow 2024. I'll help answer questions like, where do I start? How do I walk in the spirit? Or 
How do I do spiritual warfare? Or how do I believe that I'm more than a conqueror? Understanding that Matthew 6.33 positions us for success in this year ahead. That seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will be added unto us. The fruit of the Spirit is evident in his covenant. Know this, that if you can establish his covenant in your heart and in your mind, you will be successful this coming year. So get your free download for Goals to Grow 2024 by visiting kurtlandry.com forward slash grow 2024 or visit the show notes in this episode. There are some projects that really touch your heart. And this is interesting because uh, our son-in-law, Paul Marcelino, his dad, Yokanan Marcelino, helped to produce this book. And the whole purpose of this book, Jerusalem Rising, is to be able to bring visual evidence that Jerusalem and Israel actually belongs to the children of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that this is the land of Isaac. And um, and the miracle power, you know, they say that a picture is worth a thousand words, and uh, this book captures that. So listen, I'm really blessed for a limited time and why supplies last. You can get a 30% discount by entering the promo code of rising. And so what you need to do is go to kurtlandry.com forward slash rising. And you can be able to claim your discounted copy of Jerusalem rising. So that's kurtlandry.com forward slash rising. Get a 30% discount now while supplies last. All right. Now back to the show. So I guess the next thought is, do you have an urge to go back? I mean, you know, I'm talking like in the next couple of weeks. I mean, like it's it's something that you explain, hey, like you were telling me, I think about a week ago, you've really only been sick like four times in your life that you can really remember being sick, sick. And you come back, right? And you're battling all this stuff and you get sick. And so reflecting off what that perception versus reality, because you experienced it and you were sick and now you're, you're starting to kind, kind of come over the edge a little bit. Is there an urge to get back? Like, I mean, even if you don't do it, but like the inner inside of you of what you experience the relationships and the people that you know do you have an urge just to hop back on a plane and get back out there um well well first of all it's just like in a podcast mentoring way okay mm-hmm. um the first night of hanukkah when we got we just got back and in fact i think you mentioned it i don't think you realized or anybody but i was running a fever i was extremely ill that night. Um, I mean, I'm looking down at my notes and the letters are blurring and moving. That's pretty impressive because you delivered it. <laughs> yeah. And, and the reason, see, that's part of the spiritual warfare is I made a commitment to the Lord. I would never let Satan control my schedule. I can tell you in 34 years and thousands of, of times speaking, maybe tens of thousands, I don't know. Um, I've never missed a service because I was sick. Have I been sick in services? Oh, absolutely. 
Uh, and that was one of them. I mean, I was really, that's why I just, everyone wanted to love on us because of what we were doing, but Christy was not feeling well either. So we had to go to the green room. We left. So then we come back a week later and we're bringing the rewards of, of Hanukkah and I'm still sick. So, um, so, so here's the key is, uh, what did I learn from that? Are we going to go back? Yes, we're going back. They, they want us to come back. But this trip was kind of, there was twofold. Number one is to comfort. Scripture says, comfort ye, comfort my people. Um, I lost count of how many of my tough special forces guys literally wept when they saw us walk in the door. That's not like them. Not like me. <clears throat> But we knew we were at Israel's 9-11. We knew that Israel was never going back to be the same again, that what happened has changed the nation and the region and the world forever. And um, uh, it was unspoken. But so just the embrace and the hugs and, and being there, it was a comfort trip. The warfare side of it was every the Lord allowed us to go to every strategic high place that we needed to go to and do the spiritual warfare by praying, decreeing, pulling down of strongholds, <laughs> canceling assignments of the enemy. So we were able to do that. But that was done in a very private way. But the next time we go back, what will happen is the next layer of warfare will be to speak words of knowledge Um to speak uh, prophetic words. You know, the trip you were on with us, <clears throat> we went in and uh, we had prophetic words for the mayor of Jerusalem and the minister of defense, Yoav Gallant. Gallant. And so, um, and those words that I spoke to them have happened. And a lot of it was warning them about this war to come. So uh, th this next visit, you're asking, yes, there will be a next visit. I, I don't know when, but I can tell you this. And this is spiritual warfare. I will, um, the vitamins and the rest, I will definitely increase all of my vitamins and my rest. We left very tired and very fatigued at the end of the year. And so, and you know, we just squeezed this. We felt like we had to be there at this, another spiritual warfare principle. The Lord said, you got to go from this day to that date. And, and it was perfect because every place we went, we couldn't have gone if we were a day late. But one of the keys is, is that this next trip, we're going to, uh, you know, we belong to Salt Health. And so we'll go and get vitamin injections. We'll be rest, rested. Spiritually, we'll take our game up to a higher level. What does that mean? We'll spend more time meditating on, on doors open and weak places in our life. And uh, we'll just take it to another level so we can get in, in and out. Like I say, it's our 49th trip. I've only been sick on one other trip there, and that was my uh, first trip there back in 91. So, but anyway, that's what we'll do. We'll just, we'll take it up. And do we want to go back? Uh, absolutely. We, this, this, this war, I don't think people understand this spirit spiritual warfare is not really even about Israel. This isn't really even about Hamas and Hezbollah. What this is, is this is about an evil Persian ancient spirit 
that is literally marching in the universities in the Ivy League in the United States and other places. So, so we're going to have to learn how to overcome this spirit uh, spiritually with the proper strategies. And the Lord's given me some prophetic words I'll be releasing uh, in the first quarter of this year in regards to how to overcome that. And for the listeners listening, if you want to know more about how you can help Israel, you can stand with Israel, you just go over to our website, visit curtlandry.com forward, forward slash stand with Israel. Again, that's curtlandry.com stand with Israel. You hit the forward slash on that. Um, tons of great individual ask. Uh, Rabbi, you know, it does a really good job on his landing page. There's a lot of content, a lot of videos that you can watch, but, um, you know, I, I think our team's done a really good job to break it down and, and, and say like, here's where these phases are and here's where these ask are. Well, let's, let's talk about that. So, um, when the war starts that night, you know, that morning, I, I announced that Israel's at war. Um, and I'm being obedient to God, but I'm also waiting because I knew I did this and that Prime Minister Netanyahu hadn't done it yet. And I do know that they watch me and listen to what I say. Um, so I'm waiting like, oh my gosh, I told Christy, it's like six in the morning. And I'm saying, I'm waiting on my phone to ring going, Laura, who are you to say we're at war? That's the prime minister's <laughs> job, not yours. Uh, but anyway, it didn't happen. And it turned out later that day that BB did announce it. So the first thing is, is like, okay, what's the main need? And the main need were the bulletproof vest and the helmets. Now, you have to understand the full-time army has all these things. But the reserves, they called up initially. It was like, I think they started out with two, don't quote me, but it was like 250,000 guys and gals they call up. And, it, you know, eventually it got up over 350. But these are just regular people. These are your barber, the accountant, the nurse, the school teacher, I mean, the banker. And they're coming back in in the reserves. And so some of them don't even have proper uniforms or boots. And they don't have bulletproof vests. So the first phase, we got bulletproof vests. And then we got bulletproof helmets because they were just getting the traditional helmets. And these things have already, we know, have saved life. And then we got them boots because, uh, you know, you got to be able to keep your, your uh, footing and gloves and uniforms and flashlights and power packs to store, the, uh, to charge their phones, uh, um, it turns out when they went into the medical supplies, the, the bandages that are the ones to use to uh, coagulate and stop bleeding from, uh, f you know, blunt trauma, they're outdated. So we went and bought these bandages that are really expensive. So we supplied the medics. Um, I mean, it just goes on and on. But, but here's the, where we're at right now and, and what I want to speak to our podcast audience about supporting is that when we were in the South, you would see one kibbutz and it was all burned out and fired and the next one was fine and kind of random. And and so when I asked my friend that was taking us through there as a Mossad agent, he said, this kibbutz had security, meaning not just police and the soldiers, but the actual people that live there were armed, bulletproof vests, helmets, 
flash, you know, the, the lights on the helmet, night lights, all this stuff. They had everything they need and to defend. And so what happens is when Hamas came in and these terrorists came in, militants, they left those alone because they didn't want to be shot back at and killed. They went to where there was no protection. And so when I saw that, in fact, I was coming back from the South. I got a phone call from the mayor. Uh, and you were here when I interviewed him. Is uh, uh, Benny Kassara uh, from Ma'el Damim. He's been the mayor for 35 years there. Well, he's in a very vulnerable spot. If you've been to Israel, you come down, you're going down to Jericho. It's the first big neighborhood village that's on the right side, on the south side of the highway. And across the other side is Ramallah, the, uh, where the checkpoint is. And so uh, Palestinians are coming in doing home invasions there. He said, we need to equip 36 soldiers, he called me. He says, we have 36 retired special forces guys and regular soldiers, and we need all the equipment. He said, we need $3,000 a guy to equip them, and we need it tomorrow. So I'm there, and I just, and, and I just said, we're going to do it, Benny. Because after seeing this, and then being and working at uh, you know, Ma'el Damim for all these years, I knew, I knew the vulnerability. So that's what we're doing. So you can literally sow seed, providing bulletproof vests, helmets, gloves, uniforms, uh, flashlights, walkie-talkies. And the other thing we've done is there's 36 like safe houses from bombs in Meldami. We redid all of them, and uh, we put water and plumbing in so they can use the restroom and get water. Uh, this was not an issue. The last time they used safe houses in Mal Damim was in 67, six day war. So, so that's a real practical thing that I think the prevention of it. And of course they brought in the news when we were there and the news channels were running and filming it. So everyone knows that they're armed and prepared for what's coming. Uh, so, uh, you know, and so far they haven't had an attack of that. So I think I think it's it's amazing to me, and I just really am impressed with the Kurt Landry Ministry supporters that you have the foresight and the heart to be able to understand one of the biggest spiritual warfare principles is is preparation is the key to victory. And that's KurtLandry.com forward slash stand with Israel to find out more and about how you can help. All right, so Rabbi, we're getting towards the end of this episode. Let's just get practical for the listeners here because we've jumped in and really broke down, um, you know, a lot of practical and relational uh, stories and things that especially has happened recently um, in regards to spiritual warfare. And so I want to get to a couple things that I'm just going to fire at you and I want you to kind of lead people through, Okay. The first area is how do you actually recognize spiritual warfare and um, or put it this way, how do you recognize if you're actually going through it? Um, first of all, you have to look at the symptoms. I, you know, one of the biggest uh, down, free download blogs that uh, we've ever had is the one I did on how do you identify a Jezebel spirit? And I can't remember how many symptoms it but uh, so anyway, I just basically put a list of the symptoms in there. And I would recommend that they go uh, 
we don't have it. We're not prepared with the, uh, we'll throw it in the show notes in the description of this yeah. episode. Yeah. But definitely listen, that's a great learning because what you can do is saying, am I being influenced by this, in this case, a Jezebelic witchcraft spirit, and then to go down the symptoms of, of that. Um, uh, but in a real practical way, when, when you start having what we call in our family, little foxes, when you have too many things that are constantly going wrong, there's a pretty good chance that you have some kind of a demonic uh, spirit tormenting you and, um, you know, you're dropping things, you're breaking things. Um, uh, small things happen and you emotionally just overreact. You can't even understand, like, why did I get mm. so mad about this? I mean, I'm like flipping out. It's like nothing. Um, when those type of things happening happen, most likely you're being attacked or you've picked up what I call a trailer or you've got a trailing spirit and um, or you're having oppression. Um, you're having bizarre sexual thoughts. OK, I mean, every human being has a certain amount of, you know, uh, sexual thoughts and that are kind of more normal for the for the person. Um, but when you start having like weird, perverted sexual thoughts, more than likely you've picked up an unclean spirit somewhere and those things need to just be cut off. Um, financially, you're getting drained. It, I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, the refrigerator goes out. The ice maker goes out. Uh, you have a flat tire on the car and you weren't able to, and you got to go take and get the tire plugged. I mean, it's like, it's not the end of the world, but when you start seeing these things come one, two, three, four, five, you're under a spiritual attack. And, and what you have to do is you have to cancel those attacks. Okay. So that leads me to this. What do you actually do, right? From a spiritual, but let's throw physical sense in it as well, because physical action has to occur how do you actually defeat it? So like now that I know, right? So like say they take a resource on this and uh, watch one of those Shabbats that you really kind of break it down, right? What do they do? How do they defeat it? Um, well, first of all, uh, we have a, a workbook on spiritual warfare and I think it's 10 chapters. I, I would go through that. And also we have uh, 10 classes. I, I would go through 12. That. 12. Victory in Spiritual Warfare. It, it's actually a playlist. If you look up Kurt Landry Ministries YouTube, you just go to playlists. There's 12 of them in okay. the series. Well, what I would do is I'd get a partner or a small group and I'd just watch it and then go through the workbook and that's where I'd go. Um, yeah, it's not... Um, there's no quick fix for spiritual warfare. I mean, you know... Um, You, your authority that you have needs to be recognized in heaven. You know, in the book of Acts, there were people casting out demons. And, uh, and so the demon came and, and just beat up and trashed the person. And the demon said to the person that was trying to cast out in Jesus' name, he says, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But he says, who are you? So there's a certain amount of spiritual warfare lifestyle so that the enemy knows like who you are. Okay. So um, like for instance, when um, 
when we came back from the trip, we knew, Christy and I knew we took a hit. First of all, I, I, it's not, we've been doing this a long time. I knew for us, you know, at almost 70 years old, uh, we're doing a long international trip, no rest, in and out, didn't sleep when we were there. You've been with us. You know what it's like. I mean, eight o'clock in the morning, you hit it. We're back at the hotel at midnight. Um, so every day. And it's uh, a work trip. It's a work trip. There's no, <laughs> everyone always says, oh, 100%. So glad. Yeah. Like <laughs> the hotel we stayed at had a pool, an indoor pool. And they said, oh, Kurt, it'd be so great. You can swim. We know you love to swim. I said, yeah, really. Oh, I, I never even went and looked at it. It's kind of funny how people ask me my first experience going to Israel um, on my trip. I, th I think I was out there eight, nine days. And I, I said, guys, like, I, I don't think you understand that just not in general with these types of film trips, but like I experienced it through a lens and we were working 12 to 14 hour days and <laughs> I was sending footage and photos back at 1, 2 a.m. because I had to try to get it back. So then we're able to share the content with everybody that's uh, donating towards these certain projects. Um, <laughs> so it, it's it's a work trip. Yeah. So so anyway, we knew we were going to take a hit. But when we got back, what happened is we have other friends that are leaders and travel internationally. You know, they go to Africa, they go to Korea, they, they go different places. Okay. And so we, you know, we called them. So they understand, like they're seasoned. They've been in ministry 30, 40 years like us. And um, we're friends, but they have authority. They're known in heaven, okay? And and we're known in heaven. But we, it wasn't enough just for Christy and I to be on the couch sitting there wiped out. So we called our friends and, and they prayed prayed with us. We also have a prayer team that prays with us that's been with us for 14 years, intercessors. We have intercessors in House of David that are very seasoned. So so I like I didn't put it out like on social media, like, okay, we took a hit, we're sick. You know, because that's just fueling the enemies. We're past it now. That's why I'm even discussing it. But what happens is we already had those people in place before we prayed and before we went. But we also knew, Daryl, when we went, that it's really kind of unreasonable to think you're going to go into that level of demonic activity without taking some hits. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's like, to me, maybe, but like, you know what? We're just people. We're not superheroes. I think that's a really good point. Well, Rabbi, I, th I think it's going to wrap up this episode. Uh, for questions, I mean, obviously, it's it's the first Kurt and Landry podcast. It's a show that I've been trying to get you to do <laughs> since I got here almost two years ago. Do you feel like this type of format is is good to kind of open up conversation like this? Uh, it's good for me. My question is <laughs> uh, for the uh, audience is if it's good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know I get a lot of requests from people and, and I understand it. Uh, and they just said, oh, I just, if I could just talk to you, you know, for 10 minutes or whatever. And, and, and I really don't think people, I don't think people understand because of the international nature of what we do that we seriously, we work from about eight in the morning till midnight, one, two in the morning. Because if I'm going to work with Israel, it's from 12 to three in the morning. 
And um, so I don't think people realize that um, there's very few, they don't understand like the amount of hours. So I really don't have time to like sit down with somebody and just hang out and visit. It's, and that's what I like about this is that that's what we're doing. We're hanging out and visiting and, you know, being pretty transparent and personal. And I have no trouble with that. I want, I would, you know, I want people to learn from our mistakes so that our ceiling becomes their floor, but also our victories, they can learn from that and not have to reinvent the wheel. So I like the format, but I'd like to hear from the people if they like it. I mean, it's up to, uh, you know, this is easy for me because there's no preparation. I mean, this is <laughs> this is like who we are. This is what we do. We're a work in progress. And um, we have a saying at our house, people say, oh, it's not theologically correct. And I don't know if it is or not, but people, I always say higher levels, higher devils. And what happens is it's higher levels of responsibility brings a higher attack, a higher level of principality. Now, I don't know if that's scriptural or not, but I can tell you with 34 years of doing this, that's how it works. So uh, whether anybody, some theologian says, well, that's not correct. If, if you lived my life, you would know that if you're going into a nation and you're meeting with the minister of defense and the prime minister and the tops of, and you're have the honor to speak into their life, the attack on the enemy is a lot more than you going in and speaking in a church because what you're doing is going to shift that nation and it's going to start fulfilling and activating Bible prophecy. So, um, there's just a different level of responsibility. So anyway, I understand that. And where we come from is we have no intention of quitting. We've had a CLM board meeting here uh, last week. And I, you know, there was kind of a slowdown plan that everybody had at this age. And I, I told them, I said, now you realize after this trip, we're burning the slowdown plan. <laughs> and uh, because the experience that we have and the testimony and the favor we have to get with people, I can't like delegate that out. I mean, the people I meet with meet with me in Israel because they've met with me for 20 years and there's trust. And so, you know, and, and Israel needs us right now. And the Lord needs us. So I guess we're not slowing down. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this. Uh, we actually do have an email set up. It's podcast at curtlandry.com. You can send your questions, your thoughts, uh, show topic ideas, anything that, uh, you know, you'd love for us to really dive deeper into it. You can give us suggestions. We'd love to hear your feedback. Again, that's at uh, that's podcast at curtlandry.com. You can send those questions. Rabbi, until next time. Yep. Thank you so much, Daryl. Shalom.